Hello and welcome to A Skeptic's Guide to Conspiracy, the podcast that examines conspiracy theory, conspiracy fact, and those who promote these theories. I will be your host, Mike Bowler, as we take a look at Conspiracy in the News for the week ending December 2nd, 2018. And for this edition, I will be covering Loomer protests being banned from Twitter, a climate report conspiracy, more crisis actors, and Jerome Corsi and Roger Stone is getting into deep trouble. So let's get started. Um, Far-right activist Laura Loomer on Thursday handcuffed herself to the Twitter New York City office to protest being banned from the platform last week. I talked a little bit about her. She's a a right-wing kook, uh, runs a YouTube channel, and and apparently he's now been kicked off of Twitter for creating anti-Muslim, anti-Islamic rhetoric, uh, probably, and which had been bordering upon hate speech, and has decided to do what she does best, and decided to handcuff herself outside of the Twitter offices in New York, and had argued that Twitter was pro-Sharia, anti-Jewish, and holding holding up a sign saying, banned. Twitter is essentially upholding Sharia when they decide to ban me for posting facts about Islam. Loomer yelled at it into a megaphone. I'm willing to go to jail to fight for my country, to fight for my rights of the million of conservatives around the world who are being censored and controlled by people in this building. The New York Police Department put up barricades around the office as Loomer protest went on and more police cars arrived on the scene. Loomer claimed she was suspended over a tweet about Omar, one of the first two Muslim women elected to Congress. Isn't it ironic Ironic how Twitter Twitter moment used to celebrate women, LGBTQ, and minorities as a picture of Ilian Omar, Loomer wrote in the tweet. Ilian is pro-Sharia. Ilian is pro-FGM under Sharia. Homosexuals are killed, oppressed and killed. Women are abused and forced to wear hijab. Ilian is anti-Jewish. And like any other user... She can appeal this uh, uh, this is suspension. Loomer's Twitter account, which has more than 25,000 followers, featured several m- remarks attacking Muslims before being taken down. Uh, so uh, Loomer, but uh, oddly enough, because she wasn't impeding people from entering and leaving, they just let her sit out there to rant and rave. No arrests were made, and certainly, um, and eventually... Uh, Loomer would have been uh, removed by building security and apparently not arrested. So, uh, really just being uh, being more annoying than anything, this person who had traditionally, they, she's been anti-Islam, pro-Jewish, pro-Israel, and has uh, attempted to, uh, you know, make her case, uh, but certainly... Very few are listening, and unfortunately, the squeaky wheel is getting the grease, so to speak. So uh, I think we're going to hear more from Laura Loomer as the weeks go on. So the next story is uh, the right-wing media defaults to ludicrous conspiracy theory to debunk climate report. 
the Trump administration, you use the Thanksgiving holiday to release the fourth national climate assessment report, a periodic government report generated by government agents in response to federal guidelines established in 1990. Trump had no legal power to stop the report from being released, but in an obvious effort to hide its dire predictions, published it on Black Friday, hoping it would go unnoticed. The strategy may have backfired, however, as there was not much other headline news to compete with the report, meaning it likely got more coverage than news stories about climate change usually receive. Unfortunately, the both sides strategy that the cable news news networks employ meant that this climate change denialist, who still control the majority of the Republican messaging on this issue, got plenty of airtime, most of them seeking how to explain how the entirety of the entire scientific establishment might somehow know less about this issue than the conservative pundits who couldn't pass the an eighth grade math quiz resorted to a conspiracy theory. This is to be expected. Uh, most of the, there's uh, many of the, you know, again, these are many and similar talking points uh, that scientists are trying to, Oh, for some reason, they're involved with some big conspiracy to create this false story that the earth is warming, that there's an issue with climate change, that, you know, all the, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, oddly enough, uh, Rick Santorum had uh, chimed in with a statement that these scientists who drew this research are in it for the money. They're, they're paid quite a bit to create these fake reports or these questionable reports. And, uh, of course, the these are liberal attacks on corporate pop profits, cor- corporate, uh, I guess, mindset that it is okay to, I guess, it's picking on these poor corporations who pump tons of CO2 in the atmosphere and so on. Uh, there's certainly a lot of issues um, that they'd like to present. The main issue, really, though, is that you know that that there's a this kind of a dumbing down of Americans. This that Americans are more likely to believe. It's, it's kind of a weird dichotomy. I think it's it's it, it just seems so weird that the same people who who will point and say that the government is corrupt, the government is terrible. But then when a politician comes out and says, you know, global warming is a hoax, hooray, hooray, we're, you know, then they're happy again. Uh, I don't know how to make a comment, but this is, again, trying to undermine the scientific consensus on global climate and that we do need to start looking at alternative fuels, alternative energy, I don't believe, personally, I don't believe that we will ever be totally independent from petroleum oil product, you know, petroleum and oil products, because there is some, there's some aspects of that, that we, a lot of the, many of the plastics we use, many of the other, there's a number of other products that are derived from petroleum that we rely on quite a bit. So if we're not using it as a burning it as a fuel, we maybe there's a good chance or there's a possibility we could still be using it for other purposes. But of course, I it if it's possible, see one of the uh, I guess one of the interesting things about uh, some of these uh, or even just using plastics 
other than the disposable plastics, the plastics we hang on to, the type of plastics like, uh, you know, uh, that we might use for a while or might hold on for a year or two before they turn bad or start disintegrating. That is a way of uh, carbon sequestering, whereas we're locking up this carbon in this plastic. We use it for whatever, for storage or whatever we use it for. And if you, you know, if you, if you hold on to them long enough, you, you know, it's basically using less or at least producing less carbon or so on. That's kind of like what I'm, I'm kind of, I've been interested in. I've been kind of trying to find out if there's any validity to that argument. So, but certainly there's a, this attack on the petroleum industry that they're purposely, and, and again, there is some truth to that. There's been, uh, of course, there's the uh, ExxonMobil. I believe it's just Exxon. Before it became ExxonMobil, there were some issues with how they're dealing how, or their look at creating new forms of energy. So basically, it's the same, um, many of the same arguments. The, the right wing is fighting the this idea of climate change that we have to reduce our carbon output and fighting against going to renewables and trying to stick with coal and petroleum as our primary energy sources. But certainly there's going to be changes on that front, hopefully. And then we got Trump supporting media, again, spreading the false conspiracy theory that migrant women and children fleeing tear gas are crisis actors. Oh, where we have, where have we heard this before? Uh, again, um, there was, there's a um, case, uh, this is, has to do with this uh, immigrant caravan that is heading that was heading to the United States. Right now, it is uh, apparently camping out in Tijuana, Mexico. Uh, the city has already uh, created uh, a place for these people to stay as they try to get their asylum papers and trying to gain gain asylum to the United States. And the estimates of the numbers are right at anywhere between 5,000 to 9,500 people that are trying to gain asylum. And basically, these are people who are trying to do this legally. They have to, when they arrive at the uh, port of entry or border crossing entries, they can, they will apply for their asylum. They will have to, uh, wait for this paperwork to get done. Uh, the immigration uh, service is uh, only able to process anywhere from 50 to 75 asylum requests a day, which means if we take some, if we look at this kind of conservatively, it's going to be about two months before these people can get their paperwork taken care of and allowed into the country. Of course, there's people here. Apparently, uh, an altercation occurred at the at the uh, San Diego entry, and a handful tried to rush the border and was turned back by tear gas. And the right wing conspiracy types have jumped and latched onto that and created a photo. That's been scribbled on. Basically, somebody took uh, took a photo into uh, looks like Microsoft Paint Shop or the, the Paint program. Not even I don't. It doesn't even look like they use like a real 
graphics program. It was just looks like it's <laughs> scribbled on there from uh, paint, trying to point out people that were standing, people that are running, the photographers that are supposedly coaching these people on what to do during this uh, for this to stage this photo. And it's nothing of the sort. There's no, there's no way. First of all, a photo came out of 4chan. So nobody really can be sure who created this photo. Anybody could just scribble on a, on a, a JPEG or whatever. And next thing you know, you're, you know, you've created a conspiracy. The photo doesn't really show anything. You can't really tell anything because it's a still photo, but the, are these people running? Are they walking? Uh, what What's going on? You do see some tear gas have already been fired and people moving away from that. There looks like some people are running. Some people aren't. Uh, again, this could be like, the, you know, it's hard to, again, it's hard to say if this was before or the, the initial attack. Was it somewhere in the middle or toward the end of this uh, I don't want to say attack. It's just the altercation that prompted the use of tear gas. And there's really no evidence that it was a, or they, that was that these people were being targeted. They were just, was this being just being fired, you know, into, you know, into not necessarily in the crowd, but near the crowd to force them to disperse, whatever. But of course, the, the right wing has taken this photo. And basically run with it that these were, these, uh, photographers were coaching the, these people on what, what they should be doing or doing stuff in this photo. There's absolutely no evidence of that. The photos were taken by Reuters photo. Uh, the photo that was used was taken by Reuters and used, uh, in their articles. And then apparently a day afterwards, this is when this photo appeared. So. There is no evidence whatsoever that this uh, this photo represents anything other than the early stages of this attack. But again, uh, various uh, groups have uh, latched onto this. Infowars has already talked about it. Fox News has talked about it. A few other, uh, again, the, the, the right-wing conspiracy types have uh, latched onto this story. So... Again, trying to create the idea that there's this cr- these crisis actors, these are being paid to do this, to stage this photo, to make the United States look bad, make Donald Trump look bad, which is none of the sort. This doesn't say anything. And if you do believe that the the story, then you're you're pretty much uh, you don't you really don't you don't really understand what you're looking at. So let's now delve into Jerome Corsi and Roger Stone, because they've been busy boys this week, and they've gotten quite a bit of press. And I'm going to start with Roger Stone and Jerome Corsi push the Seth Rich lie after privately admitting hackers stole DNC emails. Now, apparently, and then I'm, there's a there's actually a t- I worked out a timeline on this, but I'm not going to I'm going to jump into that timeline a little bit later because this story. Of course, when the story broke that the Democratic National Committee had their emails hacked, the one of the stories, and this was being created by Jerome Corsi, that Seth Rich was killed by op- operatives 
of the Democratic Party, uh, the De- Democratic National Committee, believing that he was the one who leaked emails. Of course, as time went on, it became clear that the Russians were actually the ones that released this these documents. But Corsi, along with Roger Stone, started perpetuating this this story about Seth Rich's murder. That it wasn't a suicide. It wasn't. It was wasn't. It was a murder. Uh, no one is really sure even today who actually killed Seth Rich. Apparently, it was a botched robbery, as it's believed to be. And but of course, Stone and Corsi had been pressing this idea. No, but at the, at that time, as they're pressing the story, they knew that WikiLeaks was the one WikiLeaks had the emails and received them from Russian hackers. So why would they, it's a mystery to me why they would uh, even acknowledge that or try to point to Seth Rich as being the person who got the emails, not the Russians. But that's going to become clearer here in a little bit. Because the next story was Jerome Corsi told Roger Stone WikiLeaks had dirt on Hillary's health. Then the attack started. So by this time, it was, again, uh, apparently, and roughly about the same time they were pressing the Seth Rich story, or began to press the Seth Rich story, Corsi and Stone had had found within these leaked emails about concerns over Hillary's health. These, These concerns according to the DNC, Democratic National Committee, there were concerns about possible health issues. They weren't really too worried. She had been seeing a doctor. Everything was being watched and taken care of. There was no real sign of anything serious other than fatigue causing some of her, um, some of her weird outbursts at, during the campaign. But Corsi, through, uh, from Wik- WikiLeaks and through InfoWars began to press the idea that Hillary may have mental issues. She might have had a stroke, all sorts of serious things about her health and pressing those forward. And then when the WikiLeaks, the first drop of Wiki, uh, DNC emails came out right there in that, in that first batch were concerns about Hillary's health. So they had pulled those two together. Oddly enough, it's possible that Corsi and Stone had Assange put those emails in that first drop because the third story has to do with Corsi had entered a plea, had started entering a plea agreement with the Mueller investigation because it was pretty clear and at least, and, and from this, uh, the current uh, filings from the Mueller, administ- or the Mueller investigation that Corsi had lied to the investigators. Corsi has denied now that he had any contact with WikiLeaks, even though during his inve- during the Mueller investigation, Corsi had stated that he was to meet with Julian Assange in London at the Ecuadorian embassy. He told them that he was going to receive and had received copies of the first drop of emails and that he was well aware of 
who, how, where Assange got those. That was through the GRU, the Russian hackers, Guccifer 2.0, and that this was a part of the, and this was going to be part of a systematic attack on Hillary Clinton during her election. Couple, it was going to be, it was supposed to go, and at least from I can tell from the indictments, from the some of the news reports, um, basically some of the information that I've been able to glean. What was supposed to happen was that the yeah, the Russians were to get the were giving WikiLeaks the emails. Assange was going to issue them in three different data dumps. The first data dump was organized so that they could press forward the Hillary health issues and the DNC's uncooperative actions with Bernie Sanders, who was also running against uh, Hillary at the time. Unfortunately, by the course with, uh, since Corsi, more stuff came out of it, uh, out of these, this email drop, the Podesta emails, so on, which created the QAnon and the, uh, the Comet Ping Pong pizzeria situation. And, Somehow creating this, uh, the, the pedophilia part of this was not a, a part of the the Russian drop, or at least the Russian intentions. It was mostly just to go after Hillary. But oddly enough, the QAnon people could very well have uh, been taking a lead, perhaps even maybe getting some direction out of Corsi or Roger Stone to present the idea that this was a that the this pedophile ring was part of this email drop. But see now, at this time, uh, Corsi has backed out of his agreement. He's now being, uh, he's going to be uh, possibly uh, arrested or perhaps ha- being forced to uh, deal with now a perjury uh, charge for giving false information to the FBI. Which, of course, raises all sorts of crazy questions. Was what, what was Corsi did really doing at this time? What was Roger Stone's doing at this time? Both these guys are known liars. They are both known. Uh, they're really uh, they're dirty tricksters. Uh, there's so much that the, from the Roger Stone side, being kind of being a political hitman, so to speak. Uh, dating back as far as the Nixon administration and some of the dirty tricks that were involved there against uh, Edwin Muskie in, in that run-up to that election. You've got Stone, who had created the... who had been... Uh, Stone had created the Muslim, that Obama was a Muslim, uh, or at least he had suggested it. It got through to uh, Sarah Palin, who had been using it as part of her campaign, this came straight from Roger Stone. Jerome Corsi had created the John Kerry's Swift Boat questions, and that pro- and he had wrote a whole book on Kerry's uh, so-called or what he called his real war record. He, uh, John Kerry was a uh, I'm not sure exact I'm not exactly 100 percent sure, but he was one of on a Swift Boat in uh, Vietnam. He came back when he returned to the United States, became a anti-war activist and had testified in front of Congress on what is going on in Vietnam and what's going on at home and trying to uh, impress upon 
to, re- to get Congress to start relooking at our involvement in Southeast Asia. But of course, Corsi had made it that he never was, or he, he tried to muddy up his uh, involvement with the swift boats. So, and with Roger Stone was originally Donald Trump's, uh, a Trump advisor, not then Paul Manafort became an advisor. As we could see with uh, all this going on, these are a whole bunch of people that had just been caught in a big lie or a number of lies. They've, then they, they, they're doing all sorts of crazy. Th- I, I think it's maybe, maybe it's just to confuse everybody who's telling the truth, who's lying type of thing. So this is going to be a fun, uh, this, this is, this is going to be fun because certainly Corsi is in, is definitely in hot water and possibly, hopefully he can drag Roger Stone down into his, uh, personal hell. So that's what I've got for this week. I've got no real announcements. I've been, hopefully, over the past couple of uh, recordings I've been doing, I've been trying to get a better recording out of this. You've probably noticed me breathing a little bit. Um, for some reason, this microphone, he, it can pick up my breathing, but it, it has a rough time picking up my voice. Uh, I'm trying all sorts of different positions, different uh different ways of using this mic. I might actually end up uh, trying a couple, I got a couple other mics sitting around here to give a try. So hopefully this recording is maybe a little better um, on top of that. Uh, I'm kind of thinking this might be a rough week for me. So hopefully I can get a show out next week. I'm, I'm 90% sure I can get it, but uh, it's going, uh, there's a, some personal things happening here. So I'm hopefully I'll get through those here pretty quick. I have no other announcements. So thank you for listening. This was episode 118 recorded on December 2nd, 2018. Thank you. And good night.